What's up, friend? How are you doing? Welcome to Plus Ultra. This podcast is for online entrepreneurs who have already launched their first offer and have already made their first sale. You're going to learn the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps that business owners took so that you can truly earn your freedom and design a life you don't need an escape from. We release weekly episodes on Wednesdays. Some are in interview format, others are in monologue format. I'm your host, Mateo Carrasco, but my friends call me Mateo for short. <laughs> no, but seriously. I was a management consultant straight out of college here in Washington, D.C., and then I worked remotely in 2020 from Denver, Colorado, and all of 2021 from Oahu, Hawaii. I lived in Kailua. From there, life got really interesting. My fiance and I, we decided to call it off. I started my own business, Veloxis, where I help business owners with their systems, their automations, integrations, and I help from prospecting to fulfillment. This podcast, Plus Ultra, is going to help you with the major roadblocks that will appear on your entrepreneurial journey. And more importantly, the people I will interview are other online business owners who have really amazing offers, life advice, and business stories. And with that, let's dive right into the episode. Welcome to Plus Ultra. Well, welcome to Plus Ultra. I'm so excited to have you guys here. This is fucking amazing. Happy to be here. Really yeah. sweet to throw this together. Yeah. So we're, we're in Madrid in Airbnb, where we were just spending some time in Lisboa, in Lisbon. That was a blast. And can you guys just expand on what you're doing in Europe? You were in Lisbon. Where were you before? What are you guys doing or plans to get out of Madrid? What's, what's up? Yeah, so basically for me, I've been in Europe for two months now. It's beginning of August, like August 2nd, I think, something around there. But I started here June 2nd, actually. And really one of my overarching goals this year is to set up three or four locations if anybody's familiar with like Tim Ferriss a la Tim Ferriss there for our work week three or four locations that I would rotate between yearly and I've been to Spain before and I've been to other places that are probably like Bali Colombia but I haven't gone through Europe and so I set this summer basically to explore and find my favorite spots where I would live for three or four months or extended from there and basically just ripped around all over for June and July through like my, to give a, make it short, my two favorites for living, well, three favorites, including Spain, were Norway, Montenegro, and here in Spain as well, I love. Maybe not Madrid, because I'm a little bit of a smaller city guy. But otherwise, previously we were in together in Lisbon. I work with a group called Tribe, actually how we, all three of us met. That's right. And so I do community management and essentially event design, travel experience curation from that side of things. And we had a about 20 person event in Lisboa, which was the 27th to the 29th. So a three day event where guys came together, had some really cool experiences from a beach club with a ethereal performance, I would say. Very <laughs> great for the spiritual sort of vibe and meditation that we all practice in a way as well as the adventure side of things, one of my favorites, riding yeah. Jeeps all through Sintra and Cascais, Portugal, which is like very, very beautiful nature, like cliffs on the beach, running through beautiful forests, old city, castles, that kind of vibe was incredible, and adding in great dinners and community and learning from one another. So that was an incredible experience. Jake came out a day later and joined me here now. This is his first time in Europe, which is absolutely incredible that and we get to show them around. But uh, if you want to expand, Jake, there. Yeah, so like Will said, my main 
Gulf coming over here was first time to Europe ever. I had, uh, hadn't really done too much outside the country traveling, so I was very excited to come out here. And then actually going to be doing some videos for the man, Will Coomer, and really just kind of getting to explore all around Europe, as well as kind of just meeting a bunch of new people. Because there's so many people in Tribe Accelerator that aren't in the U.S. where I'm based. I'm based in Ohio. And kind of getting outside of my comfort zone, meeting these people from different countries, as well as exploring these new places is really a whole new thing for me, which I'm really excited for throughout this trip. Yeah. And Tribe is so special in that it recognizes that people is what's at the center, right, of life. Like everything's about people, the social aspect of life. Because when you get into business, and it's just, just over a year that I'm in business, and I'm realizing that business is such a spiritual game. Whereas if you want, you can get into business with anyone you want to in the world. But doing these experiences like the Jeeps and like spending time together, getting Airbnb together, you really get to experience the spiritual side of these people. And then when things happen, when a unforeseen event happens in life, you can see how they react to that. Just like in business, when something unforeseen happens, you can somewhat tell what their character is like and whether they would react positively. So I'm really looking forward to more tribe events like this. this is my first one ever and it's just fantastic. I've already had some like business discussions with some of the guys and what we could grow and build. And yeah, it's all thanks to tribe. Yeah, I love it. Like that's where been in it. Jake and I have been in it since the beginning for like a year and a half or so. And then I've talked to hundreds of people and, and definitely finding a group that is so aligned with basically all of our paths in terms of, you know, mental, spiritual, business, life, goals, traveling, all of the above is, is just crucial. And literally, like, of course, Accelerate is a name, but there's not really a, it's the best name possible because you can accelerate your life when you find these people that are aligned. And like, that's one of my favorite things. Like we met in person. We've talked, you know, a few times, of course, before, but yeah. met in person and literally within minutes yeah. you dive in. And it's like that was one of my favorite things in the beginning. Like Jake and I, for example, we had never talked when the first time we met in person, it was like half an hour, an hour in at a dinner. I'm like, yeah, this guy, I feel closer to him. Than I have friends I've, than I am to friends I've known my whole life. And that's where the internet can do incredible things. And you just, like, people are like, oh, I have a bad situation, da, 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 using the power of the internet and basically being completely authentic to yourself and, and driving it that way. You can attract your perfect people. And like I said, talked to hundreds of people over almost two years now. And I feel like I have my 20, 30, whatever, number of guys that I would legitimately go to war with. Yeah. And that language there, going to war with and tribe, do you think you could expand on the aspect that is covered in tribe of having like one or two, you kind of touched on it before, like maybe Montenegro, maybe some other place, having these bases around the world. What is the impact and the idea behind doing that? Yeah. So basically there's a couple of different reasons. I'll go back to the Tim Ferriss thing, which if you've ever read the four hour work, you're interested in any, any sort of basically route that we've discussed and we will we'll talk about, read the four hour work week, but he calls it transurfing, where essentially, and it's become even more popular now with the whole remote revolution, et cetera, right. et cetera. But transurfing is when you can work wherever you please. But the idea that Tim Ferriss originally pitched is basically getting paid in dollars and working and living in a place where your money is in pesos or rupees or rupia yeah. wherever it might be where the dollar is worth much more and so goes farther and as well as when you get in the business side of things you can hire and pay someone from like as so many businesses do 
you know, from India or from the Philippines or whatever. I've had a VA myself, a virtual assistant. That's all possible. But with that, with the remote ability, you can live wherever. Sometimes, you know, you might have a little bit more, uh, a tougher time in terms of literally matching the time with it. So that's for me, time and mobility is very important where I can work across different time zones. But if I had to answer the question about my three or four transferring locations right now, for example, it would be, and I'm also originally from Ohio and American, so I run best off of American time zones. It would be probably fall through early spring in South America, Medellin so far is my favorite. I'm gonna explore more throughout Mexico and Central America as well this coming year. But really, really enjoy Medellin. It's a great work lock-in location. Then possibly this year later, I'll explore Cape Town for my first time. That's like December, January, eager to hit there. Very popular spot. Then moving out into basically what I discovered this summer was that Europe, June, July, very warm. If you're American, like 100 degrees in the south. Or if you know you're European, 40, 40 plus degrees Celsius. Yeah. Very, very toasty. And I'm also not a, yes, I am a tourist, but I prefer to be more like what you say in like Latin America, the local gringo, where yeah. I don't really care for traditional tourism. Like Italy, for example, was, I got really tired of just the vast number. So coming in places like Europe, for example, what we talked about, Spain, Norway, Montenegro, those are my favorite times favorite places coming at times is called shoulder season mm -hmm. which would be like april may or september october so doing that then after the south american spring coming here and then one of my other favorite places and you've been as well jake's ear to go is bali yeah where in the summer it's actually a little bit cooler than here and you still get the beautiful nature and i say it's a magical location which is true so yeah. june july august there and then continue the rotation. Yep, absolutely. It's super special. Ubud, particularly, is very spiritual. Yes. Um, I, lo I love that. And what's really cool also is when you're living in a place that is run in rupees or pesos, you can actually be more generous. And it feels amazing. Actually, you can see the impact directly on people, and it immediately hits them. Um, let's shift a little bit more on the business side. Um, you've built congruency, right? And yes. could you expand on what congruency is, who your clients are, how you've served people? Yeah, so I'll give a little bit of a background on how I got to that point mm -hmm. of my own congruency point. If you're familiar with the word, basically, to our purposes, it's about moving congruently, aka everything you do, believe, and live follows a certain path towards your mission or purpose. And in every single business that I'm in, whether that be tribe or congruency, or even just running trips for people and having cool experiences, all came about the fact that I was doing it anyways and, and literally friends and acquaintances and through the internet, people were like, Will, I want to hire you to do this or I want you to do this for me. And I'm very fortunate over this year and a half to develop my own congruency in my life and of course the years and years before that where I developed and built the skills necessary to do that. So what congruency came out of is really having my successful friends who wanted to travel or had reached some point of high performance level, whether that be monetarily in business or even from an athletic standard standpoint rather, that they've reached this A to B point. They've had some success or they've gotten, accomplished the original goal. But at ages, you know, anywhere from 20 to 30, even I have clients who are much older in the brick and mortar side of things, 40s and 50s, 
where they, they became successful, but they don't have post, oh, I reached this income point, or I'm able to provide this for my family. What's after that? Right. And what I do with congruency is work right now, just one-on-one -on -one with these guys, where they've reached that point of success, but lack a deeper mission and mm -hmm. purpose. And of course, by all means, you might be thinking like, okay, my goal is to get to that point A or point B, which is like, okay, 10K a month for many, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, maybe you want to get to seven figures, et cetera, et cetera. But what is crucial with congruency is achieving extreme self-awareness, know thyself, as I'm sure you've heard and Stoics, everyone talks about. Yep. Through getting that congruent point is through extreme self-awareness, mm -hmm. developed through meditation, working and building intense presence, as well as supplementing with things like esoteric learning, which if you're familiar with esotericism, as I know you are, you've dived into with myself, it's basically using these practices and beliefs and studies that have been popular and implemented for successfully implemented for yeah. thousands of years and using some of those supplemented with the modern side of things, as well as breaking down programming and reprogramming, meaning everything you listen to, take in, see, programs essentially your mind. And when you're not aware of it, you don't know if it's being good and helpful to you or detracting from your life. So evaluating that and making the changes necessary to project and put your life on an incredible path and direct it towards mm -hmm. that mission and purpose and finding extreme clarity with yourself, who you are, what you want to be, and getting to those mission style purpose standpoints. Tremendous. So that is actually very key. Um, you can, and I have friends who are super successful in the corporate life or just entrepreneurs, whatever they are. But um, after having extended conversations with them, like heart to hearts, they're really going through the motions at some points. They haven't found a, they don't feel driven. They don't have a mission, right? And they're like, how do you find a mission? How do you find your mission? Uh, me personally, I believe I found my mission after doing a walk in northern Spain. Spent four days, just me, myself, my best friend in like the woods and just asking myself. So what I did was like a type of meditation is like talking to yourself and prayers. You're talking to God, right? And then meditation is like listening to God. Um, that was my process for like figuring it out. But I'm curious now that you have a system, you systemized it. How would you go about describing the process of finding your purpose, your mission? So basically there... One, the first part and, and where I start with everyone is getting to more presence. Because just like you talked about, prayer is more of that speaking to God. But bringing in the present moment, if we want to put it in spiritual terms, is literally being connected to God. And that's mm -hmm. where if you've studied things like Think and Grow Rich or any other Napoleon Hill book, he talks about you know connecting with a source and infinite intelligence. Yeah. Of course, Eckhart Tolle, all these guys talk about being in the present moment, which is very, very crucial by all means for all aspects of life. In sports, we call it the zone. Right. Etc. So developing that beginning with the meditation and developing the presence is absolutely crucial because otherwise you're going to get basically the logical and negative oftentimes influences from the brain or sometimes from the heart or programming, whatever it might be, from outside influences rather than what is truly attuned to you through intuition and what your clear path is. So if you are unable to hear and connect with that, mm -hmm. then you will do what I call clarity through action. Of course, that is always necessary. Like it sounds like your path had a lot of that involved where you were not only like doing the clarity through the personal discovery and self-development, but you ran the action in terms yeah. of, I know, right, a little bit of your past of 
working with others and, and experimenting with itching different jobs, et cetera, then you took that path to a little bit of the, I would say like the, the journey of the path, almost like a, a Hajj and like the Muslim right. faith. If I can speak English properly. But yeah, so building first that meditative presence and getting to greater and greater levels there. Then the next step would be to becoming as defined in your life as possible. Evaluating from every aspect, who am I right now? Why? That's a lot of people, and this is getting a bit into the programming side, a lot of people think a certain way and just act, and because of the way they were raised or the societal inputs, don't even know why, mm -hmm. right? And oftentimes, it could be unaligned with themselves, misaligned, rather. And so by breaking down that from literally every aspect of your life, whether that be family, where you want to live, who you want to be, what you want to do, what your end goals are, Right, I'm sure everyone knows, like, okay, like, I want to drive a Lamborghini, which for some people is true. For myself, I love speed. Supercars are a base level, like, vehicle for that, literally a vehicle for yeah. me. Right, but oftentimes people do many things because they're programmed to think, okay, what does a successful person have? Nice cars, a beautiful wife, you know, a nice house. But if that's not actually you, mm -hmm. then that's where you have guys who get to the point that, some in their 20s, but others 30s, 40s, 50s, and they have a whole family, and they're not even happy. And that's where, of course, you know, midlife crisis, right. everything along that standpoint comes in. And bottom line, part of the whole beauty here for especially the younger guys is many people find their clarity eventually in life. But it's oftentimes in their 30s, 40s, 50s, sometimes even 60s and 70s, like, one of the things Napoleon Hill mentions is the Colonel Sanders, I think was in his 60s or 70s right, when yeah. he actually found the recipe to KFC. But that's because people just go through their life without any personal work in terms of clarity, especially like the self-discovery. And they take action, but it's not even clarity through action because they're just doing what society tells them to do. And when you develop this clarity and do the work yourself at a young age, it is entirely possible to become more of the Elon types or really whatever is in line for yourself and you don't have to meander through life this that feeling lost and as I'm sure I believe you went to college as well yep. university it's so 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 prevalent in the, in the US and I myself yep. like my first couple of years in I had a bit of clarity but not as detailed of course as I have now but even amongst right people working corporate jobs they could be successful by all means like you're right. talking about they just work and do things but they're like I don't know what I want I have yeah. no idea what thing I should major in or what's my next steps. And when you do that at such a young age and develop it, it is entirely possible to find your clarity points. Right. I want to expand on that and pull on that thread because do you believe that, of course you've heard the phrase, like you can bring a horse to water, but you can't force him to drink, right? I'd love to hear, and I'm curious on both of you guys, your, your opinions on the whole NPC theory. Because if you really think about it, it's pretty dangerous if you start walking around through the world like this is a person of no consequence and whatever. These are all Agent Smiths. But there really is a broad programming, right? A default programming, an objective reality, let's call it, right? Do you think in everyone, two questions, do you think everyone should find their mission? And secondly, do you think everyone can find their mission? So I think definitely everybody can find their mission but some people's mission isn't going to be what they want it to be so mm -hmm. like it's obviously very talked about like 
everybody's got to be rich. Everybody's got to be rich. But that's just not the case. Right. Like, there's got to be the the iron workers, the construction guys that just honestly don't do as well as some others financially. But some of those guys are the happiest guys out there. And yeah, it might not be the thing that they think is their mission, but really like when it comes to their own like personal plan, I think that's like ideal. Like they found, even if they may not believe it, like that is actually what they're meant to be, you know, on earth and like all around. So I think that everybody can find it. Some people may not believe that they have found their purpose or their, you know, their, their mission, but I think absolutely it can be found by everybody. But I, I do find a lot of people that don't find it because they don't go through that. Like you were talking about clarity, kind of understanding what, what they want and also what needs to be done, not just by themselves, but just for society, humanity, all that. Yeah, I would agree as well uh, with what Jake said. And I, 1000% believe anybody and everybody can find their clarity. Even adding to what he said too, with the implementation and invention of the internet, you can be a base level, whatever it might be, a woodworker, which of course normally we would associate with someone who probably doesn't make millions and millions of dollars. But with the power of the internet, you can teach and expand that income and impact so many people to where you can provide and create whatever life you want. Like. That's the whole thing, even with, and this is getting a bit controversial, where you hear teachers so many times complain about, oh, they're making so much. And I do believe, right, like teachers do incredible things. But with the power of the internet, you are rewarded, and this is a, a rule of life, you are rewarded and compensated directly for how many people you impact. Mm-hmm. And with the power of the impact, you can dramatically expand that basically caliber and, caliber rather, and output. So when you're using things like the internet and maybe getting into a little bit non-traditional, that's where you're really limitless in what you can do to basically go there. So even if you're doing a, a base level job, maybe you're even like, right, like flipping burgers at McDonald's. But if you're making funny videos on TikTok or something right. while you're there and you, know, you create a personality out of it, even if that's what you're meant to do, you can still be rewarded higher. Like maybe you become a icon spokesperson for McDonald's, something along those lines, right? But back to that whole NPC standpoint. So yes, I think everyone should find it. What uh, Jake said is well, I agree with. Some people, you know, maybe are programmed to think, okay, everyone needs to be a billionaire or a millionaire or whatever. That's not true. There's a role for everyone. Mm-hmm. And basically sometimes you have to Accept it and do the work and the deprogramming in that terms. But in terms of taking a little bit to the maybe the more spiritual side, once again, there's, as I'm sure you both know, love and harmony are two of the highest vibrational standpoints you can be at, like where you are absolutely high energy and a positive light for the world. But the absolute highest above that is authenticity. Mm. When you are truly authentic, aka doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, that is where the world dramatically changes. And if as many people as possible are doing that and emitting that high frequency, you inspire others to do it. Like That's one of my core tenets myself is I know I'm meant to get to my, to achieve whatever my own personal greatness and, and path at extreme levels. 
in order to inspire others to do the same mm -hmm. in their own way. That's one of Kobe's greatest quotes, I believe he said that. And so when everyone is working and living at that point of almost pure authenticity, no matter what it is, that's where you reach what, getting back to Eckhart Tolle again, he, you know, he talks about this heaven on earth sort of concept, yep. where if you've ever been and you know, we just kind of experienced that, I think a little bit at the tribe event, and you've been to different events where you have these guys who are, there's 10, 20 plus guys who are all very near or already doing what they're meant to be and, and yeah. living absolutely how they choose. And you can feel the magic in yeah. the air yeah, and the energy of what can be done. It's amazing. I, li I like that authenticity. You know, it um, really does. This is what I've seen because I was in my past relationship. It was like a, an influencer relationship. And they kept saying, like, there's three ways that you make money online, really connect with people is to inspire, like you're saying, to educate. Like you said, like the patty flipper, like you have valuable skills that you can teach others, maybe a teacher. Uh, so, yeah, inspire, educate. And then um, I think it's information, right? No. Uh, educate, inspire entertain entertain yeah the third is entertain and there's value in all three of those and really i like the authenticity side of things one of the things i was just speaking to someone in the tribe event is what separates man from beast and one of the things is creation like being stepping into your creator role your authentic role what you're supposed to create because you take a horse and you take a horse in 2000 you take a horse in 2023 and you take a horse 3,000 years from now, and you take a, a horse like 50 years ago, it's going to do the same kind of motions. It has a season, sexual things. It doesn't create anything new, right? But what I believe is what makes us, it gives us a spark of divinity, is that creator role, where we, even more so, if you are doing it from a place of authenticity, where you're creating things that are in alignment with who you are, you're stepping into your creator self, which leads to that magic you're talking about. When you, when you get into a place where everyone's doing that, it's just so special. Yeah. 1,000%, 1,000%. And like, even, you know, maybe diving a bit deeper too, like when you have these absolute points of clarity as well, like of course there are aspects of it that are like, you are honestly moving selfishly. Like that's part of the problem a lot of people have with being fully authentic is they feel like they can't because of these out, outside pressures or right. what, you know, is coming in. But when you are purely you doing exactly what you want to do, yeah, maybe some people in your life will, will take steps away or in the rare chance, and honestly, it is rare in, in my experience of working with guys and knowing others and my friends and being myself, there's honestly not a lot of haters when you continue to move in positive directions and, and do it in a poised, graceful way. But by being authentic, like I said, you're vibrating at the highest level and completely magnetizing yourself to draw in others at that same point. So when you are being there, you inspire others to do it when you're at those basically fully authentic parts. And then you dramatically change your own life, what's around you, what's possible. And you can really see that reality is, is totally moldable. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about like reality transurfing on, yeah. the, on the last trip. And that's one of the most beautiful points. When I talk about getting to that congruency point, the coolest aspect of it is you are living your life. It's like, one of the baseline quotes I use is from Miyamoto Musashi. It's, there is nothing but the road. And in this same instance, you can talk about you know, a, a river rowing a boat. 
And the really beautiful thing is all you have to do, the direction is controlled and determined, and you find that through the clarity. And if you're in the boat on this river or on your road, all you have to do is row. Mm. All you have to do is step forward. And, and that's from personal experience and, and seeing in others the best feeling in life is just watching your life unfold in front of you. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's crazy to see where, you know, I know we just met, but especially me and Will, how we've kind of transformed over the past two years, year and a half, whatever, just by getting so much clarity and understanding like why we're doing the things that we are and how we can change what we're doing in a positive manner to achieve some of those things that we've really both wanted to for a while. And it's, it's just so different. You learn so many things being around people like Will, like yourself, and especially just the group of guys that we surround ourselves with compared to what I, who I surrounded myself with in years past. It's just a crazy difference that pretty much most things about my life have transformed with surrounding myself with good people and just overall being in a higher frequency. Higher frequency for sure. I think we discussed this a little bit on the Jeep of how you can see or know you're, if you're on the right path, maybe with deja vus. I think we talked a little bit about that. Um, are there any signs you've seen with your clients or in your life that you can say that you're on the right path if you see these? And are there any signs that you can say that you're on the wrong path if you see those? Most definitely. So I'll break it down. One thing I do, and I have it, I break it down in three different ways because not everybody is open to you know spiritual concepts or anything. So I break it down from a practical standpoint, a more scientific standpoint, a la quantum physics, reality transurfing, those sorts of things, and also a spiritual standpoint. Mm-hmm. So from in terms of like being on the right track, the indicators there can really it's it's all the same thing, but you can say it in three different ways. So starting from that spiritual, the top that top level spiritual. You could call it a whisper from God, or even my mom was telling me today, which is hilarious. Apparently, Hallmark, the Hallmark Channel on TV, yeah. calls them God winks, which I love too. So you can say whispers from God or God winks. Rustle in the stars is what reality transurfing calls it. A step down into that quantum physics, maybe like more psychology route, would be from Young, Carl mm-hmm. Young. He calls it synchronicities, which is essentially a meaningful coincidence. And and then the practical route, it's it's still very similar to the meaningful coincidence and most clearly like is illustrated by the prevalence of what everyone knows is like deja vu or getting like shower thoughts or you know, maybe you're thinking something and a friend calls you, like you think of them, they call you. Yeah. All of those are indicators of being on the right track. Gotcha. One exercise that I would encourage everyone to do in your life that I have given my clients is building a synchronicity journal. Mm. And so literally writing down every time you have a synchronicity, where it came from. So, of course, even the base level, like astrology girls, right, or anyone talks about like angel numbers, you know, 1111, 333, all kinds of stuff like that. Yes, for some people, let me make very clear, if you're looking for those numbers, that is not what's happening. But if you so often, you know, every time you open your phone and you're not even thinking about it, and it's something like that, you know, like 11-11, whatever, then it's like, okay, this is a beginning, oftentimes a beginning indicator that you're probably making moves in mm-hmm. the right direction. But getting even stronger is when you have those moments of synchronicity, where basically you're at a moment of life and, for example, going back to that shower thought thing or the, oh, I need to call this person, and they text you. Right. That sort of aspect. 
So when those sort of things happen, that's how it is. And you can get even further and further, however deep you want to go to where, you know, I've had moments in my own life or worked with my clients where they know, Will, this is something I told myself as a child, I wanted to drive through the Dolomites. And, you know, I watched this on a TV show that greatly implemented this guy, his car broke down and the Dolomites in Italy, like, and it was literally a cartoon. I was like, oh, that's so funny. And I shit you not, the guy, he goes on this trip all throughout Europe and his car breaks down in Italy and the mountains. And oftentimes you don't even remember it happening like that. And that's, of course, when you get closer and closer to that path and you have more of the synchronicities, that's how strong it can get. Like, for example, me, at my strongest points, it's hard to determine the difference between sometimes like reality and dreams. Because one of the ways I get like extreme synchronicities would be these moments of deja vu where I see, biblically it would be called more of like a vision where I might not understand it. It, it could be like, oh, I'm literally on a couch and I look over in the dream at Jake and I see Jake and that's it. And I'm like, you know, maybe three months ago, and I'm like, what's going on? I didn't experience this one. Mm-hmm. But on this whole trip, I've had things where it's like, oh, we're walking on a street and from the dream, you know, a couple months ago, I wouldn't realize we were in Lisbon, Portugal together or in Madrid yeah. together, right? And having that is just like the ultimate confirmation. But you have to be really tuned in and, and walking on your path. Getting onto the other side, one of the things that I really like to hit and, and deeply care about because I've been there myself is when you're not on that track, one of the best indicators is anxiety. And actually, this came <laughs> was one of the best things I got out of university. Uh-huh. One of my professors, he said, basically, anxiety is not an attack on the mind or just on the mind. It's an attack on the soul. Hmm. And so you get anxiety and extreme levels of whatever discomfort, sometimes depression, and that can, be, that can come from a multitude of things. But when you're not moving in the directions and living in the, where you're supposed to be, that's where you feel really the shittiest. And as you do things that are good for you, like that's where, you know, there's so many fitness influencers or whoever out there that says like, okay, go hit the gym, Jordan Peterson, make your bed. You do things that are one good for you, but also overall morally good. And you feel better. Some of that anxiety goes away. Your life becomes more organized. Just all is the mind. Everything you see influences you and has a effect on your life. So when you're more organized in your life, your mind is more organized and you're more defined. So that anxiety tends to go away. Mm. But for those of you who are anxious, like really base level, what I encourage so many people to do, whether it be anxiety or depression or you just don't know, what I tell all my guys is do find the synchronicity. Oftentimes you can do that through meditation or long walks for somebody. For Jake, it's driving without music. Nice. Right? And and you get these thoughts. And act one, success loves speed. So I always recommend acting the fastest. But if there are certain, oftentimes people will know like, oh, I've always wanted to do this. Or I know I should do this. Or, you know, this has been in my head a lot. They don't act on it. Because sometimes it can be huge. What I always recommend is taking the path of least resistance to begin. And, you know, we can go down the whole momentum explanation thing, right? Like little wins build up. Mm -hmm. But just get started by doing whatever you have the least momentum to. So if that means, you know, shooting me a DM, go ahead. Or if that means, you know, calling your brother that you haven't talked to in months. Or, you know, talking to a friend about this idea. Or DMing somebody on Instagram. 
do that. Just start there. But don't just stop. Because especially when you get closer and closer to that synchronous track and path for yourself, oftentimes the universe will test you. Mm. Is this what you really want? And you have to keep going. So you stack, and this is where the synchronicity journal comes in because you can remember, oh, if I get off the track a little bit, these are where I had the last synchronicities. And you just keep acting and acting and acting. And opportunities multiply as they are seized. That's Sun Tzu. But the same thing occurs with synchronicities. Wow. Yeah, and you probably notice it dry up as soon as you step off the congruency path. That's a really good idea, keeping a uh, synchronicity journal. Love that. Along, along the lines of what he touched about, like, me driving quietly in the car, you know, I, I meditate every day, and I was just going through some different ideas in my head about what exactly I was wanting to do in my next step. And I think that was, I wasn't sure in my head, so that's why I wasn't able to find an answer. I wasn't experiencing those synchronicities because I wasn't, I wasn't on one singular path going in one direction. I was kind of going a few different directions and I wasn't experiencing what I needed to through standard meditation that I do daily. So one thing, you know, those shower thoughts, I get some crazy shower thoughts sometimes. And I tried to almost force and hone down those thoughts and it was just not working for me. But like you said, I drove silently in the car. Just no music, nothing. I do a lot of driving and I'm always listening to music and or podcasts or on the phone, whatever, but just drove silently. And it was like, I think the second time I did a silent drive or whatever, I like had just a few great ideas, like yeah. rattled right off, off the top of my head and, and called him right after my drive. I was like, dude, I got ideas. I got ideas. I drove silently. I got ideas. This is it. I was just very, very excited that... I kind of found something that was helping me be more clear in my vision. So it, it definitely, and I've experienced so many synchronicities throughout that. And like even this trip, you know, going more down that video production route, noticed so many synchronicities. Like it's just, it's worked out so well. And especially just getting super clear on what I want from that. And if I can add on one thing there, part of the problem a lot of people have with meditation or even for me for the longest time I took like hours to get to sleep mm. but that was because you have so much of this going on I call it monkey mind and I'm sure you know others say the same thing yeah. but part of the like the need for meditation why it's you know probably the most common route is because you have to have a time where your mind is empty and you have to basically let those thoughts flow. Once you've gotten rid of the monkey mind, all about driving or meditating or even in the shower, that's where then you connect to that pure presence. And, you know, those deeper levels of meditation to get the downloads or whatever you want to say. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes, like, like I said, that was the way I solved it myself was if you're not sleeping well or your mind is always busy and you don't have literally peace, Find whatever your outlet is. Like I said, meditation is huge, but if that doesn't work for you, it can be taking a walk. It can be driving without music. But try to minimize the inputs. And when you get rid or let those monkey mind thoughts flow, that's when you'll notice way more of that presence and the infinite intelligence, the auto-suggestion, whatever word you might want to use, come in. 
Wow. Yeah, it's crazy how undervalued stillness and silence are. And even walking, like every single time I go to a royal palace, there's these gardens with these walking paths. And it makes you think, if some of the most powerful people in the world invite another world leader with them, and how do they resolve massive world problems? They take him on a stroll. Maybe they talk, maybe they don't. But it's walking in silence really does bring out the best ideas, silence as a tool. But even stillness, keep the silence, but you just sit still. It's no, it's no mystery why we get all these shower thoughts. It's because you have no stimulus, no phone in there, and it's silence. And it's such a powerful tool. Yeah. That was like we were at, um, I'm not going to remember the name, but the one palace or chapel, whatever, today, uh, here in Madrid, and we went out to... Which is, I might add, a little bit of a synchronicity. I know, I think you technically knew that, but to throw in that example is yeah. an interesting yeah. connection, oh, wow. to say the least. Yeah. We went out into the greenery area, and, yeah. you know, acres and acres of green space, trees, and we were probably, as the crow flies, quarter mile from actual full city Madrid, all I could hear was the birds. Mm -hmm. The birds, I could hear the wind. And I even said something while I was like, this is just quiet. Mm -hmm. Like, even though we're so close to thousands of people, it was just very silent and like very peaceful. Yeah. Even just that short, very short distance. So I could easily see how they could, people could just go walk and just be in their own own world with their thoughts and just, it's an incredible thing. Yeah. And that took intention. Like, they really devoted that plot of land for that purpose. Absolutely. Like, and you in your own life, you might not own a castle, but you can always step outside into nature, forest bathe, find that stillness. You definitely need to be intentional about it and schedule it in your, in your routine. Most definitely. So, so important. The, like, intentional time for yourself. Yeah. And to be still is one of the healthiest habits to start with and just add them there. I was talking with Arlen because I joined Tribe in November and I consumed the whole course in like two months. And he said that he recently added, and I noticed when he was sharing in the presentation, there was like a blue module thing. And I, I was like, I don't recognize that. And it was a spiritual warfare, I believe it was about. And I have not yet seen it, so I'm so excited to see it. So over dinner, I was talking with Arlen about that. And uh, I'm not sure if I shared this with you guys, but I'm actually a third generation Freemason. Um, well, I was actually in the youth program and it's from 12 to 21, and then from 21 you get a choice. I've not yet joined, but that's where I've gotten a lot of esotericism. Like, the reason they're called Freemasons is because they're modeling after one of the most uh, prolific Masons, stone Masons, which were the Egyptians. Egyptology's huge. But in the spiritual warfare side, um, I'm curious, are you guys Christians, or like Christian men? And I was raised Christian and definitely would associate with that uh -huh. the most. I say, certain people ask, like, are you religious? Are you whatever? I say more on the spiritual side. Right. Like, I would, like I said, most associate with the Christian probably, as I stand now, a bit more with Orthodox, just because I'm, I'm more traditionally minded than a lot of the modernity that has come to play. But because of how much of a, like, structural programming religion has become, I definitely would tend to stray away from it. It's for sure okay and a great vessel and vehicle for so many others. Yeah. 
but would disagree with it personally. So, yeah, I was raised Christian, was raised Protestant, and now, like, have a lot of that. Like, I believe in Jesus Christ, etc. But my relationship, bottom line, is, is more important about the relationship with God, and I see that everywhere. And I do go to church yeah. basically when I can. Like, it's not always the easiest traveling all around the world, but I also find, like, literally be still and know that I am God. Mm-hmm. Just like we were talking about, like, walking in the forest, I could go there and meditate or just Jake and I walk quietly and have as much of that connection and, and you know, maybe bring some of those spiritual topics up, etc. But there's a ton of different ways yep. to go about it. But yeah. I was raised Catholic, you know, but I definitely am more of that spiritual energy driven. I, I, you know, I know there's something out there. I know that there's something that kind of controls everything. And I definitely do think it's more of a, in energy than mm. necessarily a god per se but i understand that there's something which and i'm still on a probably never-ending journey right. to figure out truly what i believe wholeheartedly so you know i'm pretty much open to all but nothing very specific nailed down at this time at least and i i just wanted to touch on that because i was also raised catholic by the way and it's funny, you're an ortho bro, so that's, that's awesome. Um, but I wanted to touch on that because it's particularly inspiring to hear, coming from a Christian foundation, how much you've looked into spiritual readings and how much you dove into there. Because um, if you truly believe, if you truly have faith in something, then you are open to all criticism and all ideas, so you will consume everything knowing it's not a real threat to the, to the message you believe in, right? Yeah, I also believe Christ is Lord. I believe he was here to save our sins. So if there's any message out there, I should be open to it because of what I believe in, right? That's why I find it so um, inspiring and, and rewarding that you're consuming all this knowledge. A lot of people from where my life and where I'm from, they consider everything that's not coming from the church as taboo, as blasphemous. And it's really, it, it kind of sucks because there's so much richness in spiritual richness in these texts and if you really think about it, there are some lost years of Christ. Like we see him at 12 years old and then we don't see him again until 20 years later when he's 32. And there's some people like the Pasha of Persia who claims that Christ went there. Some people think he became a yogi. We don't know. And a lot of people think that's a massive omission in, in the Bible. But maybe that's an invitation for us to, if Christ is the model of how we should live our lives, then maybe he went on a spiritual exploration. Maybe we should also do the same, and that maybe that means stepping into the unknown, reading unknown texts. So I was just really just want to commend you guys for reading into esotericism. It's super powerful. But um, maybe is there something you could expand on your spiritual journey? Yeah, most definitely. Like, and this is even definitely not a dirty pleasure, but one of my greatest interests is studying the commonality between religion. Mm. Like, of course, you know, thirty-third degree. Freemason, like when there's so much esoteric significance there and like also, okay, like if you want to talk about like Christ was, you know, 33, mm-hmm. et cetera, like just even the numerological standpoint there, like going all the way up the spine, you know, the 33 yep. vertebrae, et cetera. But when you look deeply into these texts or the spiritual practices across almost all religions everywhere, there are bits and pieces that overlap mm-hmm. and are you know, either the same. And so that's where, because of my personal experiences, like 
similar to you, I, I believe in Jesus Christ and his existence, you know, that he's the Messiah, etc. But because of things like the Nicene Court, if you're familiar with yeah. that, where basically, uh, I'm not sure if it would have been probably Catholicism at the time. Yeah. They decided basically, okay, like this is what goes into the religious text. And of course mm -hmm. we have like the book of Enoch um, that is readable and, and many others and even just the Christian sect. There's a book of Mary Magdalene that she wrote. She exactly. Wrote, yeah. yeah. And you have so many of these other resources that were omitted mm -hmm. because people, whether you believe them as like evil or the elite or whatever it might be, decided what we should believe, right. not what actually was and said and taught that there's much more to the story. And of course, right, like, there's so many different quotes, like history is written, it's a, a what is it, a set of lies agreed upon, mm -hmm. like so many different things. And that's one of my personal like pleasures of, of studying all of that overlap. And, you know, we could go a bit on the schizo conspiracy route in terms of like biblical history or whatever, if we want to dive in there, like, okay, pyramids all over the world, same things, the whole pine cone of the DNA, I love you right? Guys. Like that's, yes, <laughs> everything like that. So that's, that's, there's a lot of overlap there. And yeah especially when you move in more of these synchronistic things and you know, meaningful coincidences, looking at it and looking at God move in your own life, mm. you realize, yeah, like, okay, this is, this is not what they say it is, is not what it was or what it really is. Yeah. There's another symptom of that insecurity where like, if you cannot, if you, you don't really, you're showing that you don't really have faith in what, in what the message is if you can't allow other, one, other people to speak Right. So, yeah, the book of Enoch, I highly suggest everyone read that powerful, powerful text. But, um, yeah, I mean, the message stands true. And what, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I definitely don't dive into this realm as much. Absolutely. Um, but I really think it's all about educating yourself. Like so many people just don't educate like you're saying you've read multiple books I know you have as well on and studied different religions and all that goes into it. So I'm just not as well educated about that topic. So I don't have too much to add. Honestly, I know that in good time, I will be able to add on to that, but honestly, just right now, I don't knowledge wise. And I would say one more thing too, like a lot of problems that people specifically Christians have, like you, you were literally nailing on the head, right? With like the blasphemy. Another thing with other religions is that it's so, so, so different and some of the practices, right? And so I would caution others, like when you're going through these spiritual journeys, like there are very much a lot of demonic practices oh out there. Gosh, and, yeah. and if we want to get spiritual war, right? Like so much of the world and programming is, has a lot of satanic underlying or whatever just things that aren't good for you so be careful be open like from a young age whether i was you know a deeply deep christian or not i always like i've never watched horror movies especially those that involved like possession or yeah. anything like satan related like that is not good like even you know listening to rap music or whatever stuff from a from a bad source like is is not healthy for you and there are real dangers out there that you might not be aware of and understand so so be careful and definitely thoroughly research the implications of things, but explore carefully and make sure you talk to many sources, right? Like, as you're saying, like an open mind is very key to faith, mm -hmm. but basically, and this is from one of my mentors, he says it, he says it pretty regularly, like 
it's not helpful to have a closed mind. It's more helpful to have an open mind and be strong in your set of beliefs, mm -hmm. but open that mind and accept and acknowledge what helps you and what may be true. And when you can actually process that and, and change it mm -hmm. to where you go, because reality is simply what we believe. Right. Exactly. Right. So when you, when you go through those steps and can properly analyze and, and do the research yourself, that I would say is the best. But once again, like from Jake's standpoint or, and Jake really isn't like this as much, but I know many examples where people just do what they're told to believe. Mm. And that's why I believe it's so important for, you know, guys like us and many others to study and become more knowledgeable so we can be basically right. Like the mouthpieces mm -hmm. for what is actually good. Exactly. Exactly. And what is the point of principles? What is the point of your values, Christian values, if you're not going to use them when tested? It's very easy to be a Christian when you're in your hometown and you're not being tested. I, I'm sure you guys have also been tempted by like pretty demonic things and you've stood fast and like, no, I'm covered in the blood of Christ. I am not going to sway. Like this is very powerful spiritual warfare, like you're saying. Um, <laughs> if you want to touch into the satanic stuff, it's actually... It's actually crazy how misguided some certain people are about Satan. A lot of people think he's this like ugly red like monster that you will immediately notice when he steps into your life. People forget that Lucifer, the light bringer, was gorgeous. He was like the God's top angel, right? And so he operates in a very seductive, rational way. He is those decisions where you're like, oh, nothing's gonna happen. You reason your way out of it. He's very he knows you better than you do, right? And so you got to be very careful. And that's why I really do like these external um, guidelines, these, these things that I, I like the Catholic Church as an institution, as like a guiding force. Of course, you got to like explore on your own. But I do like the external side where they're like, all right, both you, your parents, and generations past followed this guideline. So that way, when you're presented with different situations, you somewhat have a rule book to follow, right? Whereas if you're your own moral compass, if you're a super good person, yeah, you can navigate it, but most of us will fail. But I do appreciate the external side of things because this, the devil is so sneaky. He, he tries, he's, he presents really strong arguments. He's, it's not like, it's not crazy like what he, what he says. That's the crazy thing. Like he weasels his in, it's a very slippery slope. You start doing small things and then eventually find yourself in hell, in a living hell. So... Yeah, I, I, I'm wondering your thoughts about satanic uh, practices. Yeah, and that's what, like, baseline from living just life and, and what you're talking about where he's, you know, sneaky, et cetera, like the greatest lie ever told by the devil is that he didn't exist, that right. he doesn't exist, right? Or that I'm, I might be misparaphrasing no, that, but it. we've all probably read Outwitting the Devil, mm -hmm. et cetera. And, like, that's, like you're saying, the baseline is you think nothing of it. And you make these basically your life, as you see it before you, can basically spread into all the. You have so many different options, and the whole devil on, devil on one shoulder, angel on the other shoulder is true. Like, but most, of course, we don't think about it, and you're just presented with these decisions that constantly they take you. And when you're not acting in alignment and you're not aware of and present, there you think nothing of it, mm -hmm. and it just stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks, and very soon you're in. This, like you said, living hell. And like, that's where, if we go to more of that outwitting the devil side of, uh, side of things where essentially, you know, two of the, the best ways to 
be in that living hell as one, not have a defined life. Or right Napoleon Hill calls it being a drifter. Mm-hmm. Where when you're just drifting, aka not really thinking, not really being aware, and just doing, even if it's just, oh, this is what society tells me I should do. This is a good track. It might not be, oh, I'm going, this, what I do now kills people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, not to that extreme. Like, that's what, you know, you were saying, like, the big angry demon. It's literally, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's where, for me, baseline, one of the things that I always kind of keep in the back of my head is I think David Goggins might have said it, where you get to heaven or, or you know, you're, you get to judgment and before you, you're about to talk to God or one of the angels, whatever you might believe, and before you is this, this incredible person just glowing with life and just insane. And, you know, you talk to God and says, Will, this is what you could have been. Oof. Ever since I saw it, it was Goggins. And I, ever since I saw that, it haunts me. I'm like, what if I'm not the person that I'm meant to be? And that, or, or not even that I was meant to be, but that I could be. Like, I understand there's so many different realities of who I could be, who I could become, but knowing that there's a possibility that I could not be who I should, it really, that's something that haunts me. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And it really kind of shows like, and it also makes me ask myself, what would that version of Jake do yeah. in this situation? And that kind of helps, helps mitigate and get rid of those negative thoughts or, or that, that voice on your shoulder. Actually to, to double down on that, the whole, like, what would they, that's one of my favorite things. I'm sure it's been said by others, but like, for example, what I tell my guys and, and what I do myself is I, like the exercise is to visualize and write out your highest version of self, AKA, right? You're in heaven or wherever. And, and God says, Hey, this is what you could have been. This is what the highest version of will is. And write out as specifically as possible, what that person looks like. What do they do? How do they think? How do they act? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the bases and write that down and do that exercise to have it out. And then, especially when you're, just going through life or even in the point of drifting, ask yourself, what would the highest version of Will do or Mateo or Jake do? And when you do that, there's, I can't remember the guy's name. He's very, very powerful stuff in in terms of what he says. Even though you might start out acting, when you take action and continue moving and thinking in that same way, you might start out acting, but eventually you're becoming and you go from becoming to being that highest version of you. I love that. I was talking to David DeHart about this. Shout out, David. Um, he's a young buck. I don't even think he's 22 yet. And he was talking about exactly that point where if you start becoming these values and these in this type of person, then you deserve what that life looks like. Like it, it, it just has to, it has to happen. You have no choice. There's a synchronicity that there's a mismatch in the universe. It has to come to you. And so, yeah, and another flip side of that is that God or the universe, whatever you want to call it, is going to present to you the same obstacle, same life lesson until you learn it, until you deserve it, until you have that, you become that person that, that gets it, right? Um, I'm curious, though, because these are all magnetic ways, like, to become a certain person and then you become that person. Um, when it comes to other people, like one universe and another universe, 
I've read that if you want to attract a certain type of person, you should become that type of person. I was wondering how you guys, um, how you, how you manage to reconcile that if there's also like the whole polarity thing, like I want to be a masculine person, but I don't want to attract a masculine girl, but I should be that masculine girl. How does that, how does that follow? Because. So I, I, I'm, I probably have a much lower depth answer than will on this, but I, so yes, you act and become the person that you want to be like, but also you have to think about what type of person they want. So like in a relationship stance, you have to think about what type of person that that woman wants her man to be. So you have to, you know, obviously you can become exactly that or you can become something similar to that to where you fit what she's looking for Mm -hmm. and you can still be yourself. You don't have to become just this perfect person, whatever. So in terms of like a relationship like that, or like when you guys are looking for hanging out with guys or just, you know, having good friends, I know one thing Will looks for is a madman, somebody he would go to war with. Right. And so I'm not, becoming the same person as Will, but something Will's looking for is somebody that he would go to war with. So you have to find your way to position yourself in that situation. And another thing he looks for a lot of people in all these certain places. So I would position myself in those places to where he would find friends like that. Like, I'm never going to meet Will, you know, if I didn't know him. I'm never going to meet him in, like, the middle of... Kansas or something like that. So it's also about positioning yourself mm-hmm. in a position to where these people would be around you. I don't know if that's similar to what you were thinking at all. But. Yeah. yeah. So based on when you, and you really touched upon it, like it always makes me laugh because it's, it's a little corny, but it's about as true as it gets. If you want to be somebody who dates supermodels, look at who dates supermodels and become a person who dates supermodels. Mm. Right? Like, yeah, okay. That's definitely like, I'd look into like what those people actually are, like you know, implications, da 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 da. But the way I have personally viewed my life is one, well, when you're operating out of authenticity, bottom line, that's the best direction for you. But I approach my life in two ways. One, I look at like what I want to do, and even when I was, I don't know young young maybe what i mean by that is like six seven eight nine like watching 007 movies with my dad it was like oh okay if i want to be cool maybe i should learn how to drive sports cars yeah or stuff like that and yeah whatever you can determine what cool wants to be for you but i've worked on building and stacking what i call preparatory skills that even though in for example in university it might be the weird thing to go to ballroom class and you know, have be part of the ballroom dancing club. But guess what? Two years later, when I live in Medellin, Colombia, and I know how I already, already have a base level of dancing bachata, or, you know, I'm in Costa Rica, or I'm in Spain, and I need to, you know, dance flamenco or something like that, uh-huh. then guess what? I'm here. I'm prepared. Right. On the other hand, in terms of, like, this attraction – one, always like study the divine feminine and the divine masculine because those are, there are two, it's not the same thing. Like you said, like you don't want, and I definitely don't want this ultra masculine girl that would, you know, do I want to marry a 007 woman? Probably not. 
mm-hmm. I'd probably want to be friends with that person for sure. That yeah, seems yeah. pretty cool, pretty badass, right? <laughs> but on the other side of things, and in and, and the same vein as that preparation, I think of everything I do in terms of preparing for that counterpart. Mm-hmm. Because it's 1,000% true. Basically, you, you get what you are. Like, you, when you talk in terms of frequency, you don't have to be the same person to be on the same frequency. Mm-hmm. And so when you're at those levels, you get the corresponding counterpart there, right? So if you're you know, a shitty person, you're probably not going to have find a good girlfriend, mm-hmm. right? Because you know, even though it might be a good girl, and of course you can get better and grow and develop, almost guaranteed that's not really what you're looking for. But you have to develop yourself. And when I think in terms of my personal goals, what I'm looking for, like, that's definitely getting into the upper echelon in terms of high-quality women, whatever you want to say. And you can go through all those lists. And I know, okay, if I want, by all means, a proper queen, whatever you want to define that as, I need to become, well, this is so corny, I need to become the king. Yeah, yeah. And is it easy to be a fucking king? No way. But you have to do all the preparation to do it. And I know when I am personally working every day, developing myself and, and building my own greatness and being authentic and traveling on my own synchronous path, I'm doing everything I can. And the rest is basically just like, let go and let God, whatever you want to say, like it attracts to you. Let go and let God. I love that. That's the first time I heard that. That's great. Love it. So Will is looking for a big hearted Latina. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, yes, some ways, but I will say this. Yeah. If people, that's funny. Cause people are always like, Oh, what's your type? And I think it is important to clarify what you're really looking for in a person and in, in, in that counterpart. I'm not like, Oh, you know, five foot, 11 and a half blonde hair, one green eye, one blue eye. Right. Not like that. Like, I would say, like Jake was talking about positioning, and especially in terms of women, like, okay, what are my values? I'm more traditionally minded. Mm-hmm. Where is that most common? Of course, you can go, like, I'm from small town USA. That's still pretty popular there. But if we put it in big groups, it just so happens that a lot of Latin American women happen to have more traditional mindsets, mm-hmm. as well as Eastern European. Right. And I, I find in every culture there are beautiful women, mm-hmm. Right. But I personally, I enjoy dark hair, dark skin, a.k.a. Latin or Italian or something along those lines. Or going more into that Eastern European, you know, the beautiful, blonde, tall, etc. Like, so, yes, I do have you know, maybe a set of standards, but by no means am I closed off to whatever. Like, whatever, you know, in the spiritual terms, whatever God has for me, I know that'll be right. Yeah. I always thought of it as like a triad of values then looks and then hobbies and the looks are important that's what makes you approach her in the first place right but the looks fade one of the key things i believe is like making sure the values are in check like they're aligned at least and just having that discussion pretty early don't like spook her on first date or anything but like just understanding what her values are and i think like you said you can get a good sense of that by where you met her geographically like where is she um my girl is not going to be at the club right 
Yeah. And so yeah. that's just one thing. I am curious, though, because Arlen talks about the circuit, which is like the social calendar of like the elite, like where they go. Um, is that advice to like follow the circuit as, as me, as a, as a man, you guys, like that is super valuable for me to meet other high value guys. But uh, what about like high value girls? What if, if they're going on the circuit? Is that a bit concerning? What, just just question. So for me, I would say it depends because no matter what we want to say about, oh, no. And like this is where a lot of like the pure red pill people oh, yeah. that I'm like, oh, fuck that. No, because they're like, there are no more good moral women. Da, da, da. You can like, especially with God, when you're moving that way, you can find whatever anywhere. Absolutely anything like you. I could walk out of this place and find my wife if that's what's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. So by all means, it, it is purely possible. We're just like when you look at the circuit, right? And oftentimes it's it's a lot of like to define like the social calendar circuit. Like by all means, you're running into successful people in business, models, um, actors, actresses, all of that. And and you walk there like okay. I'm sure there are a quantity and, and probably a good number of well-intentioned, high-quality people there. Mm -hmm. But for me, looking at the circuit, that's not even the way I want to live most of my year. Mm. Like, I don't have a desire to, you know, go to Cannes Film, Can Film Festival every year and then spend a month in Mykonos and do this and that and this and that and that, Right. I personally, like I travel, like I said, more of that local gringo route everywhere I go, mm -hmm. where I like, I'm from a small town. I like to be able to travel to the city and go over whatever I please, but I want a little bit more of that peace and area. Like even now when I look at where I want to live, it's almost as simple as sun, gym, Wi-Fi, quality people, uh -huh. and great environment. Love that. Like, that's my baseline. And so, technically, you can find that anywhere, but there's definitely better places, I would say, than oftentimes where the circuit is more party-centric. Right. Monaco, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely create your reality, for sure. Um, so quickly, wanted to touch on the red pill side of things, because it, as a young man, I remember being 13 it's so confusing it's very key what kind of content you consume because that is your model for the world for the next couple months maybe you've run with it for years and really there has been a recent um, semantics of men versus women right but really we complement each other so divinely so beautifully and I was just wondering what are your main um, critics of red pill of the red pill narrative, like the pure red pill narrative? I think it goes back and forth. I mean, it depends on who you're listening to and what type of content you're consuming. So yes, I think content should mainly be created, not consumed, but I am realistic and I understand that most of the time it's going to be consumed. I, I get that fully, but it depends on who you're listening to because there are so many bad messages out there upon who you should listen to like there's so many radical thoughts, you know, there's so many people that really don't know exactly what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying a young person can't speak motivationally and speak to a large group, but so many people are so, so deep into the red pill community that they're starting 
to speak about things, I think, prematurely and a little early to where the message isn't being portrayed correctly. So I think you really have to take everything with a grain of salt. Um, and you kind of have to think about whether things are being spoken to improve your health or to get clicks. Right. Because so many things are created just to get clicks and get views that they might say things that are not actually good for you. Yeah. So understanding your morals, your health, everything like that is very important. But you really got to know the difference between what is meant to be consumed as content versus informational. So I think that's really the most important thing is really understanding where everything's coming from. But overall, I think there are so many good messages out there because like Will, like you as well, very traditional. So I believe a lot of old time things and I think a lot of older things are being brought up in the Red Pill community, which is, I think overall is a healthy movement and message but like i said there's a lot of non-old things that are being brought up that are trying to be passed off as red pill and i think that's where that's where things can go wrong is when it's not a very traditional view Mm -hmm. being brought up kind of viewed as that red pill even though it probably shouldn't be like abandoned marriage and you don't need each other yeah yeah yeah. i I mean marriage is a beautiful beautiful thing and i think Without marriage, typically, you're not going to have children. And without children, we don't have future generations. And, you know, I'm I'm all for people being on this earth for as long as possible. Yeah. And I, you can't do that without a family. I think there, there will still be children because there's that sexual urge. But what the institution of marriage provides, it's more about the kids than the actual couple. It's about providing them an environment where there is safety, security and sacrifice like at the end of the day like men like we are here for others right and what marriage does it is anti-biological for sure like you look at mammals there's one male multiple females but this is purposely supposed to be hard it's supposed to be hard because it's at the greater service of the community it's a relatively newish practice a few thousand years old but it works like we know it works right what are your thoughts yeah so in terms of like the red pill, there's a couple of different things. I would say I also very much agree with what Jake was saying, and then I would have an addendum to that. One would, of course, be operating, I know I've said it for the umpteenth time, but operate out of that personal clarity. When you're defined in who you are and what you want to be, that's when you compare and contrast and build a framework of, okay, is this in line with me? Not, am I listening to someone who I think is cool and says to do this, Right? But bottom line too, like in almost all cases, I only listen to people if I want to be like them. Love that. Nice. Yeah. And so like when you actively employ and practice that, then oftentimes you're going to have the best routes. And it doesn't have to be like, okay, do I want to be, you know, this is the name Andrew Tate, right? Do I want to be Andrew Tate? Evaluate it and look at, okay, what aspects? Maybe... I want to have six supercars or whatever, or, you know, I'd like to be, have that relationship with my brother, which is true for me. Like mm. I really admire the brother side of things, but do I want to, you know, live in this more non-monogamous sort of thing? I would say probably not, mm. I'm not all the way sure, but definitely lean more traditional there. 
And then, you know, like the original, who is it, like Rolo Tomasi, right? Mm. Or like Michael Sartain. These are some of these guys who are talking about things like hypergamy, which, for those who don't know, hypergamy is when, for example, your girlfriend cheats on you for Leonardo DiCaprio. And that's also existed for thousands of years. Those are real concepts. But the whole let's throw away marriage because there's a shit thing is literally just cope. Yep. For not doing the work and not putting in and, and following. And like, for example, the Rolo Tomasi example. I'm looking at somebody who's, I think, in his 50s. And he's with, tends to be, and it's seen in pictures with, like, OnlyFans girls and models and girls who are much his age. Much, you know, huge age gap. And that's like, do I want to do that? No, I've seen other people in my life who are, you know, older or, or haven't had the marriage. And then, of course, we're going to run into a lot of stuff as some of these of today's doctrines are being pushed where you have the, and this is a meme in the Red Pill community of like the 65-year-old or 50-year-old lady or 40-year-old lady who has nine cats and no kids. Right, right. And there's even more and more cases coming out of like she pursued the career, which was nice, maybe in the short term, but realizes, holy shit, I missed out on some of the most incredible, deeply fulfilling things just because I listened to what society told me. Right. Right, and, and looking what and looking deeply into yourself and comparing it, okay, is this something that is in line with that future highest version of me? I think it's so powerful coming from you and you guys because um, traditional Christian, successful online business owner, like you have these, you, you're speaking from a place of authority, like young people would like to live the life you're, li- you're living. Um, and so... It's not coming from a mouthpiece of some, some schmuck who's like, oh, you should like, embrace tradition. No, you, you're a fucking badass, and you're saying this. You're speaking from a place of authority, and a lot of people just aren't seeing that. They're only seeing the spoon-fed versions of, oh, you must be a simp or something, right? Um, simps are real, and they're definitely destroying like, the concept. You're not, you're not stepping up to the plate as your role as a man, absolutely, but to... Like you said, it's just a total cope for not wanting to elevate your life in all the ways that it should be. You're, you deserve, you need, to, you need to deserve a proper woman. Like you, you, you have to work for it, right? And that is very hard. But because it's hard, it is valuable. And so, yeah, I totally see right through the very red-pilled side of the narrative because it is a lot of cope because there's nothing more magical than a woman. Like, a woman are feminine, they provide intuition and the whole side of the universe that we don't really tap into that by default. And to grow with a woman, naturally, beautifully, it is fantastic. And it's, it's a total cope to want to just throw that away and, and just ruin an 18-year-old's life just because you can, right? Um, I love hearing that message from you guys because I know it's going to resonate with kids who can like see the lifestyle and the authority you guys have. So, yeah, appreciate it. And that's actually what you touched on in terms of like strong man and versus weak man. Like, and this is this is bottom line, or even just like baseline for everything. Fundamental. If you want to live a good life and a better life, become a strong man, a capable man. Because every single mistake and bad thing that's happened in my life was as a result of me being a weak man, mm-hmm. not in control of my feelings, my actions, not physically strong and capable, not acting from a point of financial authority mm-hmm. or mental authority, 
right? And when you build those things, that is when the best parts of life are shown to you. But when you continue to make decisions and act out of weakness, one thing, like if we want to go good versus bad, like that's right up the path of the bad is, is when you're a weak man and, and your life is shit, you shouldn't be surprised because you're shit, honestly, shit as a person. Yeah. And I, I will say that, like, I look back at past versions of me, and I always wanted to be like this. Like, I think last year's version of Will was a pussy. You should always feel that way. Literally. Like, yeah. And so, yeah, you accept that. And, yes, it's hard, like you said, but it's the most meaningful thing you can do is become stronger and stronger and stronger in all ways and get out of that. Because when you're strong and capable, you literally are a light for the world and your life can dramatically transform in any way you choose. I'm reminded by something you said in your podcast with the Vitruvian man where the default are sheep, right? And you're like, my message is not for waking up sheep, it's for waking up the sleeping lions. That is exactly right. Like if you feel the Holy Ghost in you, if you feel called to do something with your life and you feel like you're supposed to lead others out as well, wake up other sleeping lions, you should absolutely go for it, knowing it's going to be difficult, knowing you need to have, like Will said, extreme ownership. Both the good and the bad, they're all your fault, and that's a good thing. Yeah, self-accountability is huge. I think that's something, like we were talking about the red pill, that's something that's being pushed a little bit with the red pill, but I don't think enough. I think by certain people it's being pushed incredibly, but overall it's, it's nowhere near pushed as much as it should be. I think that is probably the most important thing that needs to be taught nowadays is pretty much everything is their own self's fault. Mm-hmm. And most, obviously there's external factors, but pretty much my dad always says life's 90% uh, what happens to you and 10% how you react. Absolutely. But that 10% affects all of it. So, it's, it's kind of like a 80-20 principle, yeah. which I'm sure both of you know, 80% of the outcome is going to be that 20% of how you react. Okay. So really being accountable, self-accountable is, I think, the biggest, the biggest thing that can be not necessarily taught because you can be taught about it all you want, but if you really don't feel that inside of you, it doesn't really matter. Yep. And I will concede, though, like you said, the red pill message it does have its utility, uh, particularly for just absolutely lost young kids like simps who are just completely letting themselves get um, run over by girls, not, not knowing how valuable they really are. Um, that is probably a trend that's relatively new. No 80s kid was getting treated like that, right? It's like a new thing with the advent of the internet, OnlyFans, like, why the fuck are you paying a girl to see her naked? I would never pay for pussy. Like, you know, that's insane, right? Yeah. Um, that's sorry to interrupt on that note. Like there's such, it's one of my favorite things. And I see it every once in a while. It's a uh, bro. Why would you pay for a pussy when you can look in the mirror and see one for free? <laughs> that's like, <laughs> that's exactly clip right. That, man. <laughs> yeah. No, clip that, but, clip that. Yeah, but, no, for sure. Uh, but like, yeah, you listen to fresh and fit, for instance, like hyper aggressive, like very, they, I don't think they appreciate femininity. Right. But, Really, there are levels of consciousness, right? There, I definitely believe it has its utility, especially for like a very young kid who's just, just getting shit on, right? I think it, it can uh, really 
wake him up in the right ways. Um, guys, I really appreciate the time here. I, there is one thing that I did my first few episodes in the podcast that I stopped and I'd like to revive again, which is this question. If there was someone in real life, dead or alive, that you could meet, uh, who would it be? And what would you guys talk about or do? And then same thing, but a fictional person. So a real life person and a fictional person. Who would they be? What would you talk about? What would you do? Dead or alive? Fictional or real? That is so good. Um, I thought of my real, uh-huh. but not my fictional yet. So my real, and this is kind of, it might just be you to pl- where I'm at right now in my life. Genghis Khan. Because I want to know <laughs> which direction I should go. Because okay. I'm definitely like, I want to find a woman, calm down, and relax. <laughs> you know where I'm going. He's found some women, I heard. But the other part of me wants to explore possibilities. Mm. And my, I'm still young. I can experience a whole lot in my future. So I kind of, that's another thing that I'm unclear on, is which direction I I think I'm leaning more towards singular woman, family, something like that. But there's still part of me that just wants to solve the repopulation problem. <laughs> so in terms of Genghis Khan's a wild one yeah. I respect <laughs> yeah, Genghis I, Khan that was that. that was what popped into my head and I was like I have to go for it that's what popped up yeah. but fictional one not sure yet you got good genes man you're like 6'12 like, <laughs> 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 not quite but yes true. Thank you. <laughs> this is true we do want me and him both do want to talk yeah, yeah. I'm looking to look out for the everything I think about is like okay let's look out for the bloodline I want like and I know this is off of the topic but I would challenge everyone to one become the best in your bloodline bloodline mm-hmm. and then I'm going to say that again <laughs> one become the best in your bloodline and two make your children better love that yeah but getting to that point Genghis Khan is wild <laughs> I like it though I like it it's wild it takes some nuance to understand but for me it's, it's tough in terms of like living or dead especially recently because there's really I know I'm going to violate your answer here it's fine there's really like two people I would say just thank you to mm. and one is Kobe Bryant who's actually, so I've been meditating for 10, I think almost 11 years now. And that was because of Kobe Bryant. And through basketball was my discovery of like personal development, et cetera, et cetera. And all of it from Kobe, right? And then number two would be Robin Williams. Mm. So Robin Williams for me, like, I definitely want to talk with him, of course, and and, and just here, but once again, to say thank you. Because that's a huge inspiration for me in terms of, being an absolute inspiration to others and living and I know unfortunately it might not have been the greatest in his own life but living with what seemed like that magic and and demonstrating on the screen like that's where like if you want to talk about real magicians making people feel a certain way and millions at a time like impacting one of the best at it for sure so that would be my two then if we go back into history like I'm not trying to have this as a cop out but definitely would be Jesus nice Jesus uh, if we wanted to go like warrior even or, or sorry like 
fictional or it was fictional which yeah. jesus is was is not fictional <laughs> i should clarify there yeah, yeah. so that would be my gang is con is, is jesus you know a little bit different but fictional is a really really good one and for me probably like dumbledore yo that's a good one like dumbledore types if i think about things that influence me like okay 007 i feel like the conversation like you can get into an interview type something like that like yeah that would be cool but that's not really to me that's not really someone who has a lot of good conversation it's a man of action right so dumbledore i think would be really really great as well as like from a personal standpoint i love the percy jackson books growing up mm -hmm. percy jackson pretty cool guy could be interesting but i would say not given extra thought and pulling up you know memories from years ago Dumbledore would, I think, be a pretty great one. That's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. I was leaning more towards that 007 route. Um, Sean Connery, of course. Sean Connery, um, a good one. But kind of because, yeah, he he's a man of action. I agree. But it's also, um, for me personally, I have, like we talked about, many different thoughts. Many here, there, bounce around. And I feel like 007 has been portrayed very much in a not necessarily a peaceful mind because definitely not but in terms of like focus driven there is typically aside from a straight woman here here and there there is very driven in 007 the purpose is there and generally I see straight towards that purpose and that's where i find myself kind of straying away from purpose at time to time so i would like to kind of understand the mindset and as well as how to take action on being solely purpose driven there's just so many people too like i was just yeah. running through like okay like mike tyson is another one for me <laughs> yeah. like of course like if you want to think about going back far it would be like alexander the great da, 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 da. like there's there's just so many but so many those two robin williams and Kobe Bryant are like immediately right, right in the head for me. Like, thank you. Fantastic. Of course, Jesus also would be insane, but not that I would never want to make Jesus less of a priority, but right. if we're going off of auto-suggestion and intuition, thank you for those two and their influence. They're good. They're really good. Expanding on the Jesus thing real fast, uh, you know Mel Gibson is making a Passion of Christ Part 2. Yeah. It's going to be about those three days where Jesus was in hell and just like what that must have been like and everything and then him coming back out. It's going to be crazy. Well, guys, I absolutely appreciate it. This, this was a fantastic talk. Did not expect it to go that deep. That was a fantastic. You guys are awesome. Um, we're in Madrid again. Maybe. Viva España. Viva España. Arriba España. Um, and then we might see what's up with Madrid tonight. We might not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, Bullfight tomorrow. Bullfight tomorrow, absolutely. So, viva los toros. And uh, yeah, man, appreciate this. Thank you. Much love, brother. Adios. Yeah.